Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 283 of the Keep Moving Forward podcast with me, your host, Anthony Domenico, coming to you live every Monday night, live on Facebook. But as always, the podcast is available at anchor.fm slash KMF podcast. Also available on iTunes. And while you're there, five-star rate and review. I love reading reviews. I love sharing on social media and bragging about the best podcast listeners out there. And that is you guys. So definitely check that out. If you like the video feature, you missed it on Facebook or you miss us being live on Instagram, check out Spotify. The whole video of the podcast is available on Spotify. You can also five-star rate and review there as well. Built Bar is dropping new flavors. I just got an ambassador pack. A lot of different puff flavors. They got blueberry. They got a peanut butter flavor. I don't know if I should be telling you, but I'm going to tell you anyway. I'll take a picture of them afterwards. I'll post them on my Instagram story at Comic Anthony D. So check that out. If you want to check out the Built Bars, go to uh, BuiltBar.com. Use code Podcast. Save yourself 10% off your order. The best nitro brew out there, Sail Away Coffee. Nothing better than a cold nitro brew. Um, they are a local Long Island company, so I will get behind them, but they do ship out all over the country. Sailawaycoffee.com. Use code WWBRO10. Page, uh, Patreon's got all the bonus episodes. Check it out. Patreon.com slash KMF podcast. Subscribe and get all the bonus episodes over there. My buddy John Ziegler just released his debut comedy special called John Ziegler Getting My Affairs in Order. You can check it out on YouTube. Also, follow him on Instagram. It's a big thing that he's on Instagram. No one ever thought he'd do it, but you can get the link there over at John Ziegler Comedy on Instagram. All right. I'm really just excited to get to this today. Um, my, my guest today, very special guest. He is the lead singer of Diesel Boy, Dave Lake. How you doing, Dave? Thanks for being on the show. Good. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is really awesome. Uh, never thought that you'd actually be on my podcast after, like, you know, 25 years of listening to your band. So I'm, um, might geek out a little bit. My brother already wrote, don't blow it. So he's already jinxing me. <laughs> well, when we started, there weren't even podcasts. So I didn't think we'd be doing this either. Good, good point. Uh, yeah. There was no podcast, just regular boring old radio. Um, yeah. It used to be, you know, like, uh, yeah. In the old days, it was like, you know, kids with fanzines would be the people who'd want to talk to you. And yeah. you know, now it's a lot of podcasts, which is great. Yeah, great, great medium. Um, and I, I, like I said, I can't, we were talking before, I came from radio and um, I run it kind of like that because I, I'm just too set in my ways to learn something different. So um, that's why I go live with it and, you know, and do the show that way. And why I, I, I was the, uh, I was the music director of my uh, college radio station and being okay. a college radio DJ was one of the, you know, greatest things ever. Loved that. What, uh, what type of music was that? I'm, I'm going to probably guess it was, it was, rock, yeah, right? it was, you know, sort of t typical college, you know, indie rock, punk rock, metal, okay. you know, nothing mainstream. <laughs> that's all. Yeah. Usually that's what college radio is. It's, uh, get the stuff out there. And that's like, so a lot of stuff that I started listening to in high school was stuff that wasn't being played on the radio. And that's actually, I came across Diesel Boy. Um, Titty Twister was on the Fat Records compilation and, it was like one of my favorite songs on the compilation. And my brother, I had it playing in the car and my brother's like, that's diesel boy. He's like, my buddy listens to that all the time. And I'm like, I got it. That's, then you buy the record, you buy the album. And then, you know, here we are 20 something years later. And uh, yeah, it's, it was awesome. I've seen you a bunch of times um, and I'm really excited. You guys are putting new music out. I'm like, this is like the first time, in like 20 years, new music is coming out. Yeah. And uh, the title's perfect. 
gets old. It's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We, uh, we struggled with the title and, uh, a lot of times you end up with, uh, with one that everybody's like, I don't hate it. You know, like it, we were searching and searching for the perfect title and, uh, Christopher, our drummer suggested gets old somewhere along the process. We were like, yeah, not bad. Uh, and you know, nothing better comes there. Okay. There it is. Gets old, but you know, I've come to love it and, uh, it makes sense. It's still, you know, it's, uh, it's appropriate, but also it's got the double entendre, you know, listening to Diesel Boy get, gets old. Uh, you know, we've always been kind of, you know, self-deprecating or whatever. So in that spirit, it works. And and yeah, I mean, I think there's not not a lot of bands that take a 20-year break and then come back and make a record. So yeah, happy to be in the small club or whatever. Happy that, uh, happy that there's still people excited about it, honestly. I mean, that was a big part of the motivation to want to do it is, you know, uh, we haven't had much of an online presence just because social media wasn't really a thing so much when we stopped, but um, you know, people would still find us and I would still hear from fans and, you know, I could see that, you know, our records were still getting streamed a ton on Spotify and other places. And so we hoped uh, that, uh, that there would be an appetite for it. And, you know, those were the kind of things that kind of kept us going and sort of pushed us, uh, pushed us across the, the finish line this time, so to speak. We tried like, maybe seven or eight years ago to make this record. And, uh, and we, we couldn't get it done. I, I've been in Seattle for the last like 20 years. And, uh, you know, when we were last active, we were all in California. So okay. geographically it was challenging and, you know, just kind of life gets in the way and uh, everybody's got different obligations. So the new record is me and Greg uh, from the old days. And then uh, uh, two, two new dudes, Christopher, uh, <clears throat> And uh, Chad played guitar on the record, and uh, and those guys are up here in Seattle. So Seattle has kind of become our home base, even though uh, you know I guess we're forever a Santa Rosa, California band. Well, yeah, you always have roots where you, where you started, but like I said, things yeah. evolve and move on and move. That's kind of like the you asked me before, like what's the whole purpose of this podcast? Keep moving forward is the name of it because that's like what I I have to keep telling myself with things. And like you guys are doing that, you're putting new music out. And like we were talking about the names of your albums, um, I, I love. I don't think any band's got names like these, and it's awesome. Each one's better than the next. So, Cock Rock, Venus Envy, So Fucking Cool, Road Hard, Put Away Wet, Now Gets Old. I mean, so na- naming an album is definitely like a big thing for you guys, and you guys seem to nail it every time. Um, oh, I mean, thanks. It's, yeah, it's, it's a lot of, cool it feels like a lot of pressure. Second. Yeah, well, <laughs> when So Fucking Cool came out, it took me actually like about a week to figure it out because that's how smart I am. I'm like, what do you mean? What's, I don't get the sofa. And my friend Nick's like, so fucking cool. Like, get it? Like, I'm like, oh, all right. I I figured it out now. Okay, I got it. <laughs> I mean, we still have the sense of humor of like, you know, a fifth grader. So, you know. Uh, it never goes away. Go figure. Never goes away. No. Fart it, jokes will always be funny. Exactly. That's what I realized like getting old. Like, you know, when I was a kid and I thought about being like the age I am now, I thought I'd be like mature and, and responsible. No, mm-hmm. I'm the same idiot I was back then. Just older. Yeah, I've got 15-year-old uh, twin boys. And, you know, uh, it's so fun to hang hang with them because, you know, uh, I'm still a 15-year-old boy in, in a lot of ways. What do they think about Do they listen to the music? What do they think about it? Yeah, they have absolutely no interest uh, in Diesel Boy <laughs> whatsoever. You know, I would come home excited from the studio and be like, hey, do you guys want to hear the record? And, nah, no, not really. Uh, they did, you know, they, I took them, I brought them to the studio one afternoon and, uh, I think they thought it was cool. They were quiet and kind of, you know, there's a lot of glass and, you know, mixing boards and, you know, it's kind of a, it's intimidating kind of cool place, but, uh, uh, um, 
you know, they tolerate, you know, they tolerate the music. They tolerate me going into my bedroom and, you know, practicing or, you know, working on songs. Um, and if they hear anything that is slightly pop punk, you know, if we're in the car and, you know, Green Day or Blink-182 comes on the radio, they always ask if, is this Diesel Boy? Is that you singing? Uh, and I'm like, no, you're, you're, if we're listening to the radio, you're probably not going to hear Diesel Boy. Uh, they're hip hop kids, you know, they like okay. what's popular. Um you know, with 15 year olds, which is, you know, is not, uh, is not diesel boy. So yeah. I, I mean, even, I don't know. I mean, my guess is even if I was in Metallica, they, they'd think I was, it was lame. I think that's what it is with anything your parents do. It's not, you know, like I remember I'm a big Howard Stern fan and years ago he used to bring his daughters in like on bring your daughter to work day. And they just didn't, they weren't impressed. They're like, and John Popper was in the studio at the time. And he's like, this is John Popper. He's got like one of the, top songs out right now and they're like yeah like we just go home dad like it, it didn't phase them they didn't, yeah. they didn't care yeah totally i they think it's cool that like i have a wikipedia page or whatever you know or they can google me and you know find pictures of me or whatever maybe they brag to their friends that their dad has a wikipedia page but uh yeah i don't know and they've never seen us play honestly so uh, the, you know we'll We've got some shows in a couple of weeks, one of them here in Seattle. So I'm excited to bring them. I have, I'll be super nervous because I've never, you know, not only will they be like our first shows in 20 years, but, you know, it's nerve wracking. You know, having my kids there will be nerve wracking. Yeah. They've never seen Diesel Dave. They've only seen their dad, you know. Well, they're in for a treat. Uh, talking as a fan for a long time. Um, you guys are really one of the best live bands I've ever seen. And uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but we actually sang on stage together. Uh, at Coney Island High in New York City. I, um, I did not know this, but I do remember those shows. Okay, tell me the story. So um, I forget what, what year it was. It had, I think it was 99 or 98. And I remember this show because uh, Autopilot Off, then named Cooter, was one of the opening bands. Okay. And we were hanging out with them afterwards and everything. So Boston Over, you guys start Boston Over. And I tell my friend, Nick, I'm getting on stage. I'm, I'm singing that. I'm got, I got to sing that part. And he's like, you're not going to jump up there. And sure enough, I run back and I put my hand on his shoulder and I'm like, I'm all in at this point. I jumped too early. So we kind of sang up until <laughs> the chorus. You backed away and pointed to the mic and I finished the song. And nice. awesome, cool, cool moment for myself. Like, you know, my friends are like, oh, my God, they're like, you know, they're going crazy. And I ruin it. Um, I yell Belmore rules, which is the town that we're from. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't know why I said this. And actually my friend Frank, who was there that night, just wrote, as I'm telling this Belmore rules, it lives on all these years later. So like the coolest moment, um, followed up by just saying something really stupid that I, I'm I was thinking of San Dimas high school football rules. When he said that, that's what I was thinking. It's something like that. Like it's, you know, um, but I just yelled Belmore rules. What town we were from? We were from Belmore. Got a rep, man. That's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, you were that guy who got on stage. Yeah, yeah. It can go either way. Sometimes it's great, and sometimes you're like, please, please leave us alone. I got off right after the song was over. Um, shook my hand. I mean, if I if I pointed the mic to you, I must have. I your presence must have been enough that I felt confident to hand over the vocal duties instead of trying to elbow you out of, out of no the- it was cool we, i got up we both like you just moved over we 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 fit we were singing like part john of the- and paul style you know yeah so and then we wrote like you know 10 albums together it was awesome yeah <laughs> and also um I, i'm very gullible i believe anything anybody tells me uh in true drew you have a line 
that says one day I'm not a loser. Someday I'm going to play at Lollapalooza. My friend Nick used that to get me to go to Lollapalooza with him when I didn't want to go. He's like, Diesel Boy is going to be there. I'm like, I, I didn't ah. see him on the card. He goes, he goes, no, it's in the song. I go, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lyric. He goes, no, he wrote that because he's in, he's going to be at Lollapalooza this year. And I got tricked him to go into Lollapalooza thinking Diesel Boy was going to be playing there and they weren't. That is a sad, sad story. Sad story. None of my stories have like, you know, happy. Again, it's not like it's a funny. It's, it's, yeah. Did you have a good time? Did, were there other bands that made up for uh, us not being there? Yeah, but it wasn't like, it were a couple of bands I wanted to see. Like I got to see Snoop Dogg, which was awesome. I never would have went and saw him um, on my own, but um, it wasn't a lineup that I was thrilled about. So I was like, because I just went to... Um, I think that earlier that year I went to the Tibetan Freedom concert that had everybody, mm-hmm. and I was excited about that. And then, you know, it was just like I saw the lineup. I was like, "Yeah, I don't think it's going to be my kind of thing." And he was like, "No, nah, Diesel Boys playing." I'm like, "They're not playing." He goes, "Yeah, it was, it was announced," and, it, and he got me to buy the ticket based off that song and lack of internet at the time. So, like, you know, we couldn't just go on our phones and look. Yeah, we were at the Ticketmaster, and I bought it. I bought the ticket, and uh, your friend is an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> everybody's uh, commenting here. They love the cameo in Freaks and Geeks. How did that come about? Oh, yeah. Uh, w- love, I love that, too. Um, uh, I went to high school with Jake Kasdan, who uh, is a director and writer and producer. Um, and um, more recently, he's done the Jumanji movies. Um, and uh, he did uh, Walk Hard and Orange County. Uh, he's made a bunch of great movies. Uh, back then, he was um, one of the writers and producers on Freaks and Geeks. Um, okay. And, uh, you know, he, I don't know, he called one day and just said, like, hey, I'm working on this show and we need a punk band. Do you guys want to be the punk band? And we were like, of course we want to be the punk band. Um, and, uh, you know, it was a new show. Uh, and even at the time when it came on, it was not popular. Um, no. But, uh, but, you know, it was, uh, we did it all, I think we did it all in a day, but I remember, you know, we had to send them like our, our, like this, our waist size and shirt size in advance. And we went to like the DreamWorks lot or wherever it was. And we went into the uh, costuming room and they had like racks of punk clothes, you know, like, and it takes place in the eighties. So it was like safety pins and leather pants. And it was like playing dress up. It was awesome. Uh, So we got in all these like kind of punk clothes and, you know, found uh, outfits that looked punk. And then uh, I think the next day we filmed it and, you know, they sent us to hair and makeup and they put my receding hairline into a little mohawk and uh, put eye makeup on. And uh, yeah, we, we, uh, we, we shot it at Al's bar in LA. And, you know, of course we didn't know who Seth Rogen or, you know, any of those uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank on, on all the Jason rest of Siegel the was in there. Jason Siegel. Yeah. Yep. Linda Cardellini. We didn't know who any yeah. of those, they weren't stars uh, then. Um, uh, and so we filmed this scene and they had like all these extras that pretended to like us while we were playing, which was great. And they had stuntmen crowd surfing, uh, which was also great. Um, and then in between takes, they would come and like, you know, wipe the sweat off my face and, uh, treat us like we were important, uh, which was silly. Uh, and then at, at lunch break at some point, uh, I was sitting with Jake who was directing the episode. We were all sitting there and people looked really confused why the punk band was sitting with like the most important person uh, on the set that day. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, gratefully uh, the episode's great. It's a great show. You know, uh, 
what a gift and cool sort of thing that the show has endured all these years, you know, like uh, it, it didn't find an audience when it was originally on, but, you know, it certainly has in the, in the time since. And so it's cool to be a little footnote in the, you know, in the annals of that show or, you know, whatever you want to say. Absolutely. It was fun. I mean, we played, we played, our, we actually played our instruments and uh, it was fun, fun to just be on a movie set for the day, you know, and uh, I, the first time we did the take, we ran through it and Jake came up to me after and said, Hey, can you guys try and look a little tougher? You look like you're having too much fun. Uh, so, you know, uh, I wasn't acting at first and then I, I guess I had to try a little harder to be tough. I guess punk bands in the eighties were tough. Like they acted more tough yeah. like in the nineties. Yeah. But the, yeah, that show is definitely I think, ahead of its time. Um, and just people didn't catch on to it like they should have. And think about this. Like you said the star power that was on it, you know, it just, it's a shame that, we didn't get more episodes from that, but like um, definitely cool to have a cameo on that. And I think uh, in the movie Drive Me Crazy, there's a Diesel Boy song playing at the party. Did you guys even yeah. know that or have credit, get credit for that, I hope? Yeah, we did. It's like okay. 14, 14 seconds or something. Yeah. Yeah. Can I heard I'm like, I mean, <laughs> like it's like playing yeah. like in the background. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, every once in a while we would get offered, you know, some kind of, you know, we had a couple of songs in video games and, uh, you know, that thing here or there. I remember going to see Drive Me Crazy the day that it came out because I wanted to see it. Uh, I don't think I knew how long the, I don't think I knew how long it was. It's pretty short, but you can hear it. Um, But I, you know, it, it was like a teen movie and I was not a teen. And I remember going opening day and being embarrassed in this theater with like, you know, a dozen, you know, whatever teenage girls, and I had to stay till the very end to watch my name, you know, scroll up the screen or whatever. That's a big thing, you know. Covered my face with my <laughs> my hat. But that's a big thing having your music in a movie and like you know seeing your name on the totally. big screen, you know, even if it was fourteen seconds. I remember I picked it up like right away. I'm like, because it was different than any other music in it. Plus, you know, being such a uh, a big fan of the music, um, you know, just right away it's like. Okay, I know I that sound I know that and then it was gone. So it's like you know, like you said 14 seconds. Um unfortunately that movie has not endured in the same way that it has not aged as well freak- as Freaks and Geeks has. No, it's just me watching it on repeat. No, um, no disrespect to Melissa Joan Hart, but yeah. And well, the, the, I forget what his Adrian, I forget what his last name is. Grenier. Grenier, Grenier yeah. Grenier. He had entourage fame after of entourage that. fame. Yep, yeah. totally. Um so Getting some questions here in, in the comments here. Uh, people want to know is uh, they want to know who is Melanie Banks? She is an amalgam of a few people that I went to high school with. Okay. Like a bunch of gir- girlfriends or just people that you knew? Yeah. I mean, I guess people that I sort of knew or, you know, had a crush on or, you know, just, just kind of, uh, I guess just trying to mash up, you know, um, uh, you know, just think being nostalgic or wondering what happened to these people that I, I lost touch with that, you know, I, I that once had a, you know, loomed large in my. Okay. I was wondering if like a real person and like, she actually heard the song, like. Yeah. No. And did, did Drew Barrymore ever hear the song true Drew or anybody, you know, that know that she heard it or anything like that? You know, I, I have a vague recollection of someone telling me that she'd heard it, but nothing, nothing that I can point to, to confirm that. I mean, I would think it's been so long that she she had to have heard it um you know uh um i was going through a box of stuff i don't know if you're familiar with the the punk rock museum but they opened this punk yeah, rock museum and uh, and i was going through a box of stuff to 
send some stuff to them. Uh, and I found this note that we had written. She had filmed Scream, um, uh, one of the Scream movies in Santa Rosa. And somehow, uh, I don't I don't think it was someone we knew well, but someone who worked at the hotel where she was staying out was like, hey, Drew Barrymore staying there. Like, if you want me to get her a note, like I can get it. So it's ridiculous and high, total stalker kind of stuff and is, is embarrassing. But so I wrote this note that was basically like, hey, we just made this record and we have this song about you and it's so flattering and uh, we, we'd love for you to hear it and have your blessing. And I think we, it was, I think just after we had recorded Cock Rock, but it hadn't come out and we had a show and we were like, we put you on the guest list. And we asked this guy to like slip this note and this cassette tape under the door, which is like, I mean, just, I mean, the, that poor woman having to, you know, like as if life wasn't complicated enough. Uh, and I was just reflecting on this the other day, somebody in an interview was asking about uh, some of our early lyrics and how they were provocative. And I'm, you know, I, I thought that was charming and, you know, at the time, but, you know, in hindsight, it's, you know, it just embarrasses me. It's, you know, pure objectification. And there are other songs in our catalog that were also about women that I wanted to bang, but were less explicit or, you know, perhaps a little bit more charming. That one is one that, you know, uh, we have not dusted it off for the uh, the upcoming dates. And, no? You know, I, uh, I, I mean, I know people love it, but love I, it. I, it's, I just have a hard time as a just turned 50-year-old man standing on stage and singing that chorus. And, you know, uh, I, she's a lovely woman and, you know, anything I can do to, to make amends for... Uh, for potentially embarrassing her or causing her any kind of, maybe she loved it. I don't know. If I knew she loved it, then maybe I would, uh, you know, be more inclined to want to do it, but out of respect, uh, I think we'll, uh, you know, we'll just we'll leave it off the, the set list. All right. Sorry. I mean, it's a great song. I mean, I, it, it came on in my car the other day and I was, and I'm like thinking, I'm like, I got definitely got to ask her about this. Cause it's, it is, it's, I, it's a, it's an absolute great. So that's the thing about diesel boy that, you know, not to, you know, fanboy out too much, but the, the music still holds up today. I mean, you listen, some bands you listen to when you're younger, you listen to them now, it doesn't connect, it doesn't do the same thing. Your music definitely does. And, you know, I think like, you know, writing that, per, you know, what personal things, even if you think it's explicit or whatever, but it's what was in your head at the time. And it was, you know, your real feelings. And I think that's why now it's still, people are still rocking out to it and, and digging it. As opposed to like just stuff that, like you said, guys singing things they they wrote when they were, when they were that age. Like I think of Blink One Eighty Two singing about like you know being high school, or like, totally. like that. Like you know how do they feel about that? Um, Thank but, you for saying that. By the way, I, I appreciate that. I'm I'm glad that that you think so. I don't know. I mean, it's it's I don't know. I mean, uh, all I can do is just do, and you know, I'm yeah. just at a different place in life. I got kids, you know. Uh, I, hopefully I'm more mature and wiser and just have a different perspective. You know, I'm certainly not trying to get canceled. Um, no, it's too and, a uh, different time as a, yeah. Yeah. But even so, I mean, the reasons are not because I don't want to get canceled. It's because, you know, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be crass. I, you know, I mean, I was, I was trying to be provocative and I have less desire to be provocative at this point in my life. You know, hopefully we can still make people laugh and, you know, uh, there's some humorous songs on the record and, you know, some sort of thoughtful stuff too. Uh, you know, I would try and balance those things, but you know, uh, 
but some of the topics are, you know, uh, maybe more esoteric and, you know, there's nothing, nothing directly about sex. There's a song on the record called Internet Girl about being in a relationship with a woman uh, who's more interested in, you know, Instagram and the internet than, you know, having sex or whatever. So that's maybe yeah. as close. You write a song about my ex-girlfriend? I mean, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, uh, another thing people were asking me about before they knew what you're coming on. And I've always been curious, too. Is Andy Stern a real person as well? Or was that just somebody? He in fact, he, he, uh, he was a guy that we knew. He he uh, um, he was in our town. He made stickers. He in the 90s. He was fa famous because he made the mean people suck stickers. That's he, the true. That's a true story. He's that's true story. He made okay. the mean people suck stickers. All right. Um, he still print, he, he's, uh, since, uh, he lives in Oregon now, uh, he still has a sticker printing business, I, I believe. Um, and, uh, he was just, uh, I posted something the other day and he commented that, uh, th there's a picture of his driver's license in the, um, insert of Cockrock. Yeah. Um, and, uh, he was saying that he was pissed that, you know, I don't know, like 20 years ago or 15 years ago, it was like out on his desk. Uh, at work and somebody a fan stole it off of his desk and he was saying he's pissed that you know that he doesn't have it anymore so if you're listening go fuck yourself you know that's not right to steal that you know especially i i think it's great that he is real it's real because the song is so autobiographical it's like you know you, it's, yeah you know the guy almost like you're describing him we had a friend in our group like when we used to go see shows our friend barry who was a little eccentric and we used to say like we're gonna write, we have a band we're gonna write a song about him, and we used to like name all the things that he did like weird things like after a show he wouldn't drink water it was a pretzel and a diet coke, um just like always wore shorts and a t shirt ten degree weather, on the train platform like just weird things that he did, um yeah. so it's great to hear that he's actual a real person and the sticker oh. thing I mean that's like a gold mine that's like in Forest Company puts the. Yeah, he lived off those stickers for years, for sure. Yeah, and he didn't make up the phrase. It was a no effect song, but, you know, it certainly didn't have, uh, you know, it wasn't like a meme. You know, it was like a, before there were memes, you know, there was that sticker. Oh, I thought it was the other way around. I thought no effects wrote the song Mean People Suck uh -uh. because of the sticker. No, nope. Okay. nope. Awesome. All right. I um, believe, I, I'm not 100% sure, but I believe the song, I think is on Ribbed or Liberal Animation. I believe the song predates the sticker. Okay. Um, that's that's awesome that you know the No Effects song became one of the and you think about it a punk rock band especially No Effects who for years was not out you know in the you know people a lot of people didn't know about them and their one song became like the sticker that everybody had on on their cars which which was yeah awesome. and I don't know I don't know that Andy was a big No Effects fan I don't I don't really know the story behind it you know uh, I mean I think he was aware of it but I don't know I don't know that the song necessarily inspired the sticker and i maybe he came up with it and then realized after i don't know the story but it's not like andy's the world's biggest no effects fan. <laughs> all right well that's still cool that he's... his tastes were always a little more grimy i don't think he's the world's biggest diesel boy fan either but you know he, uh, he should be his... you were talking about him <laughs> yeah uh -uh. Like how many how many people are writing songs about him so you should definitely be a, a bigger fan totally you mentioned that you're going to get back on the road and start touring i'm going to any East Coast gigs? I don't know about touring. So you okay. know, we're going to do a short tour uh, of Europe um, uh, in August. Uh, it's like eight shows in eight days. And then we've got a couple of warm-up shows here, uh, one in Portland, one in Seattle uh, in July in a couple of weeks. Uh, 
And, uh, you know, we have families and full-time jobs. And so touring, you know, has never really been part of the, okay. the, the equation. The, I, the goal would be to kind of do festivals and weekend fly-ins when, when we can, you know, maybe half a dozen kind of things a year. I, we'll have to see. I mean, the, the goal was, can we get set up again and have the enough infrastructure in place? Let's make a new record. Let's kind of get active and then just kind of, you know, have it be a sweetener in our lives and, you know, just pick and choose the stuff that we want to do. We realize we'll probably end up saying no to a lot of stuff and, you know, just time wise, you know, like I'm a divorced dad. I have my kids half the time. Uh, so half the time I can't do anything anyway. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of, you know, between everybody else's families and jobs, you know, it's not a, it's not going to be a full-time hustle. So, you know, we got to, we'll squeeze it in where we can and we don't quite know exactly what that's going to look like, but yeah, there won't be full scale tours, you know? All right. Well, I hope one day you do make it to the East coast. I would love to see. Yeah, again. totally. Um, and that was, those were all the Coney Island high shows. Those were always great. Love that place. Uh, it was kind of a nightmare to park, you know, that St. Mark's place was, uh, you know, as wide as our van and, you know, you'd have to go park and then you'd, pay 50 bucks to park. And then after the show, they throw your gear out the side, you'd have to load in and then they charge you another 50 bucks to go park somewhere. But you know, it was New York city. So what are you going to do? It was fun. And you know, yeah, I always uh, like, I always felt bad for bands. Like I loading their gear into those, those small clubs and like, you know, just the, it's not, it's not accommodating New York city for anything. I and mean, to park anywhere. If you're just going in, even the park or go somewhere, we always took the train. Then so. was it a headlining show that you saw us at, at Coney Island? Yeah. Okay. It was. Uh, so, I mean, we had a couple. We played there with Good Riddance a couple of times, I think, and we had a, we had some good some good shows there. Yeah. Were you there Thanksgiving with Good Riddance? I have. Yeah. I don't know. Not that I remember. Well, that was Eighty Eight Fingers Louie who played there Thanksgiving. I'm trying to think. Like, you know, everything just like molds together after a certain time. I don't know. We ever. We were. I don't. I think generally we didn't do a lot of winter touring. We did a, a our second tour ever. We did with the Vandals on their Christmas record, and I know that we were on the road during Thanksgiving, but didn't play that night because we ate. Thanksgiving dinner at a flying J truck stop, which is, uh, you know, a fabulous way to spend your, uh, Thanksgiving. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We ever played on Thanksgiving Halloween. We played, uh, but I think Thanksgiving and Christmas, not, not so much. That's a rough, that's a rough day. You know, I guess maybe if you've been with your family, uh, you know, maybe you're ready to get out and go let loose. And so there's probably worse nights than Thanksgiving to play, but you know, in general, it, it, yeah, I don't know if it was on the show. My brother went. It was at Coney Island High. Good, I know um, 88 Fingers Louie was playing. And yeah. I didn't want to go because I knew I'd be full, like from eating all day. Like, <laughs> I don't want to go like, you know, like into a pit and like run around. And like, I'm like, I want to go to sleep. I'm tired. I, I just ate all day. But him and his friends went in. Um, so I remember my, my dad took him to the train station or my cousin's house to go into the city. Um. But yeah, that that was uh, those shows are coming on high. I had some great memories, you know, my uh, late teens, early twenties, going in, into the city, St. Mark Street. It was just a lot of fun, and like all the guys, you know, we went with we had a group of guys that we would just go to shows with all the time, and we met different people. Yeah. And it's actually fun. This weekend uh, was the Punk and Drublick Festival in Columbus, Ohio, and a bunch of my friends went to the to the festival, and my friend Nick nice. on yesterday was like. He's like, everybody's my age. It's awesome. Everybody's old here. It's great. So I'm like, yeah, it's, yeah. there's no effects. And they've been around 30 something years um, looking up and, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. It's weird to see, like, you know, I remember when we were kids, like the people who are into bad religion were the old guys. Yeah. And now like we're the old guys at these shows. And it's just, it's crazy how like, you know, 
it comes goes full circle again. Yep. Do you feel like um, this new album coming out? It's how does it differ from what you guys did in the past? I know you mentioned like you know now you're more mature and stuff like that. You're all your dads, um, but do you feel like the writing, as far as like musically, is it a lot different than past stuff we've heard? I don't think so. I mean, you know, it was uh, it's a little bit of an anomaly from our other records in that um, it's a bit of a hodgepodge of songs. Some of these were written, you know, seven or eight years ago when we tried to make the record the first time. And some of them, you know, maybe half or, you know, date back that long. And the other half were written at some point in between then and now. And some were written, you know, over the pandemic and pretty recently. Uh, so, you know, one part of the undertaking was to try and make it all sound like a record and like it makes sense uh so we spent a, a good amount of time trying to shape it and and put definitely put thought into um you know we we want we made the record for diesel boy fans so we wanted there to be enough you know some people are like oh is there a fast song there's going to be enough fast songs you know making sure it's the right mix of fast songs but we also like to play mid-tempo stuff and we like to do kind of one like sort of ballady slow song at the end so it's i think it's pretty consistent with our other records we we had a different producer we wanted to make a a, a sort of not cookie cutter sounding punk record so we went to this guy named matt bayless who uh sort of cut his teeth with um Soundgarden and Nirvana as an engineer and uh, he's made a name for himself uh, producing heavier bands like Mastodon is probably one of the bands he's most famous for Isis Botch he's made a lot of hardcore records and metal records and uh, and his records sound great but we were really curious like would he want to work with a pop punk band what will you make it sound like and you know uh, so it's it's raw it's maybe more raw uh, than our other records but which isn't to say that it's not produced or doesn't have production because it does and you know it turns out that Matt sort of loves to flex his you know pop sensibilities too and so it was great to make a record with him uh so I think it sounds good I think I do think you know it's hard to I guess it's hard to know the truth I'm so close to it and your friends aren't going to tell you the truth. Uh, so I guess I won't really know until, you know, I lurk on Facebook or Instagram and see what people have to say. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm really proud of it. We really like it. You know, the, the people, people who are the label is super excited about it. I think it's a really good record. I think people who are, you know, fans of our stuff will, will like it, you know, but there's also, uh, you know, uh, to me, Cock Rock is not our best record, but that's the record that everybody loves. And, you know, that's the one that people are just like, uh, you know, so some, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to know what people are going to like or what makes people respond to things, uh, you know, in, in a way. But we did try to make a record that was in the spirit of Diesel Boy and that would sound like it fits in our catalog. You know, we didn't, you know if we're going to call it Diesel Boy, we wanted to make it, you know, a skate punk record. So Absolutely. that's kind of what we tried to do. What do you think is the best Diesel Boy record? You mentioned that you don't think Cock Rock is, but so in your head, what's the best? Album I, I think they got better as as we went along. I mean, I think there's there's some there's songs on all of them. That are like, don't get me wrong, I don't think Cock Rock is a bad record, uh, but all of those songs were written without any sense that we were going to be a band that anyone was going to hear. Like I, you know, we we're basically just making dumb shit up, and th I, there's probably something in there that lack of self-awareness or maybe self-awareness isn't the right word, but uh, introspection or, you know, just that sort of uninhibited, like 
oh, only the idiots down at the bar where we play are going to hear. There's something about that spirit, maybe. And, and we recorded it really fast. That sort of makes that record great to people. Um, and there's stuff on there that I like, but I, Road Hard and Put Away Wet to me is really consistent. And there's a lot of really cool songs on there. There's a lot of stuff on Sofa King Coil. Like there's songs on all of them that, yeah. that I really like. And, and you know, it's was, been fun as we put together a set list to sort of, you know, cherry pick some of the songs. There's a few songs we're playing that we've never played live before. Uh, and that's been kind of fun too. Um, but, uh, and, you know, and frankly, it's, I don't go back and listen to them often. So uh, uh, I, I'm not sure I have a great sense, but I was really, at the time, I thought Road Hard and Put It Wet was a great record and I wish that more people heard it. I think it holds up, you know, pretty good. And there's some, some really good stuff on there, I think. Definitely, definitely an awesome record. And you're, it's true. Like you, you said, each album, you guys got better and better. Um, not to say that the bad, the other ones weren't good. I mean, that's what drew us to the next one is because how much we love those other albums. And it's funny, like you talk about cock rock and how, like, you know, you just were making stuff up and going, it's, you can feel in that album. It's like, bam, here it is. Like, you know, each song comes out and it's like, you know, hit you over the head. Um, so it was always, so cock rock, the lyrics were just more like throwing them out there. And you can you can tell in the later albums there was more of like you know I, I'm gonna assume more like autobiographical stuff and more stuff from life coming into them is was that, is that true? Yeah, probably so. You know, also the song structures on Cock Rock are pretty simple. Like you know, as I've been relearning some of these, like Bossa Nova, it's like three chords in that, song. that song. super simple <laughs> structure. You know, it's fun to play, but as a yeah. songwriter now, it would be really hard for me to write that. It would be, it just wouldn't hold my interest. I think as a writer, something that simple, uh, it would be an interesting exercise and maybe something you know I would try at some point. But I think as a writer, it's got to hold your interest too. Uh, and so, um, uh, and uh, is there more autobiographical? Probably. I mean, I certainly spend more time with songs. Now, once you know, once you get signed to a record label and you know that there's an audience and that people are going to hear it, it's like a whole different thing because you think about that when yeah. you're writing. You just have an awareness of that it's not just for your own edification. And even if you try and be pure, you still can't get that you know, whatever, devil off, off your shoulder, the voice of the critic or the fans or whatever it is. It's really hard to, you know, even now it's hard, you know, I don't want to repeat myself. It's a lot of, there's a lot of masters to serve, so to speak. I mean, ultimately I got to like it. I want to be happy with it. I have to, the joy has to be in the work, but um, I don't know. Can't second guess it too much. Absolutely. Um, the the critics are the toughest part because I'm I'm a stand up comic as well as um you know podcasting and, and stuff and it's true like you that what you focus on that well I focus you know comics that one person not laughing or that one critic or the one bad comment you get on a reel you put up and stuff like that so it's true you write trying to serve you know like when I, when I first started doing comedy and no one booked me or anything I was just doing open mic so you wrote what you know just what you thought was funny. And then like all of a sudden now you're getting booked in front of clubs and you have to maintain a certain standard. I, I can see that that's kind of the parallel where you're writing for not just yourself, but for other people um, in that aspect and trying to make it entertaining and trying to, to make it something that you like and they like as well. So I, I definitely get that um, the difficulty that comes with that. I, I think stand up comedy, I have so much respect for stand up comics. I mean, like, you know, 
Uh, I have played a few times just as a solo acoustic performer with no one else, nothing else on stage, but at least there's still like a song there. Not, not much, but there's still yeah. a guitar and a song, but you are so vulnerable as a comic and, and, you know, just you and a microphone. I mean, that is, that is tough. And, you know, uh, so yeah, I get you, you know, uh, w one other thing I think that I was going to add on to what I was saying before about, uh, I, I think uh, as I've gotten older, and, and you maybe you can do this as a, as a comic, but probably not so much in standup is, you know, a lot of times I can take off, I can sing from the perspective of another character, or I can be playing a character in a song. It's not always me that's singing the song, yeah. you know, it's whatever character I fabricated in standup. That's I mean, unless you're doing impressions or something, I think that's a little harder, but um yeah, you can do characters like I mean Andrew Dice Clay was a character. That was right. That was a character Andrew Silverstein yeah. did. Um, you know, in his in his Yeah, act. but then it's just that one character the whole way through, you know, or at yeah. least on a record I can kind of switch it up. And that, there's something about, you know, I think stand-ups have to be vulnerable. That's the thing. It's got to be in that truth. You know, I good songwriters can be like that too, but I think we can have a little bit more distance than you get to. You got to like be right in the middle of it. That pain, we got to feel that pain. Oh, there's yeah. plenty of my act. There's plenty of pain. Yeah, it's 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 wrapped in a nice, funny bow. But yeah, you peel it apart, and it's yeah, it's very autobiographical. And to me, though, that's that I like that. I like being able to take something that might not have went the way I wanted to in my life, and be able to make it funny and entertain somebody. To me, that's that's the joy I get from that. Is there a sense of? Um, uh, uh, I'm I'm drawing a blank on the word, but you know, is, is there a sense? Does it help release some of the pain, or you know, is there some sense of like, okay, it sort of you can sort of purge the purge it out, purge it out in some way, you know, it sort of oh, helps absolutely. dissipate the. Yeah, it's like therapy. You get you get it out. Processing, and, you know, yeah. And it's funny because, like, you know, when you first write um, a joke, it's it's horrible. It's too wordy. It's all over the place. Um, not if you're Seinfeld. Not if you're Seinfeld. Then it's like then it's like this, yeah. But when you write something, especially something that's like painful, it can almost be like depressing when you first try to work it out. But then you get the rhythm to it, and you get like the beats and the laughs in between, then the punchline at the end. And yeah, like you know, I had a girl break up with me over a text message, and it was I was on the phone with a friend of mine too, and it happened. And he was like, "What?" And like, like, pull over and read it. He goes, "Go." As I was reading it, like I was, as it was happening, he had a, he, he was reading it to him, and it was like, I was embarrassed, I was hurt, I was shocked, mm -hmm. and I at the time turned it into a joke, and it was almost like vindication that I told that joke. It, it got back to her. She heard it, whatever, and she actually did, and she was not happy about it at the time. She's like, "Oh, you know, whatever," but it it was it was almost like yeah, you know. A little vindication, a little win on my part uh, that um, yeah, I got to do that. So in that case, yeah, it is it is purging, getting it out, and it's, for me, it's easy to move on from something if I could joke about it. I guess same way with writing a song, or I never, you know, it's not. Yeah, mine. I mean, if there is there definitely is a sense of, uh, uh, and a lot of songs, not always, but you know, if I if I've been broken up with, or I'm heart sick, or you know, going through something emotional. Uh, that's definitely a time when the emotion is kind of pouring out and songs can certainly help, help with that. And, you know, uh, at least, at least the process of thinking about it and trying to put words to it. And, you know, there's a mood and a melody and all of that. And, you know, 
at a certain point, you know, I can still remember what it was about, but I don't, maybe don't feel it so acutely, but definitely helps inform, inform it for sure. Yeah. Um, and to me, like, you know, one of the, I think, you know, you mentioned cock rock, you know, you, you didn't think it was the best album. Not that you think it's bad, but my favorite diesel boy songs on it, uh, damaged. That's my all time favorite diesel boy song. Um, well, maybe because I dated a lot of girls that sound like who you're singing about. Was that one girl again, a compilation of every crazy girl that you. Yeah, no. And I, uh, our original bass player who didn't, uh, that song is one of the diesel boys oldest songs. Okay. Uh, our original bass player who, um, uh, was out of the band by the time we got signed and made the record. Uh, okay. Sort of co, so he had some of the the ideas for the the lyrics and that and stuff too. Um, I don't remember. It wasn't a person specifically. I think it. You know, we were just trying to summon kind of a punk, a punk girl. <laughs> well, it spoke to me at um, when I first heard it. At Seventeen. I mean, it was the nineties. It was kind of like every every girl, you know. <laughs> Doc Martens, you know, Pierce Nose and or Doc Martens, you know. That look is still, I mean, it's still that was a look. I mean, we talk about still gets you. Yeah, fishnets, Doc Martens, um, those like you know, Catholic school girl skirts they used to wear. I mean, it's it's I I used to mention all the time, like that was the best nineties were the best as far as how girls looked in fashion. I don't care what they're wearing now. I said the nineties punk girls had it. All over these girls, they were they hands down were the best. I cringe at the photos of my fashion choices in the '90s, but I'm sure I will cringe at them when I look at my, you know, 2020 fashion choices too. But so be it. Yeah, I mean, but you know, that's life. That's the part of getting older. Um, yeah. Somebody wants to know: uh, Do you still like Motley Crue, White Lion, White Snake, and Dio? So for my uh, I, for my fiftieth birthday, which was a few weeks ago, I just celebrated with some friends. Uh, thank you. I uh, just celebrated with some friends in California, and uh, and their gift to me was uh, three cameos: uh, one from Kip Winger, uh, one from Ricky Rocket, drummer of Poison, uh, but the star of the show was Sebastian Bach from Skid Row, uh, which I just posted I on our Instagram. So if you want to go see uh, how Sebastian Bach. Uh, tribute to me for my 50th birthday uh uh you can check that out uh do i still like those bands I, yeah i'm sure i mean i i grew up on that stuff you know i don't know that i spend a you know i'm a big record collector so if i see hair metal records i will always buy them you know i wasn't a vinyl collector in my youth so i was buying cassettes back then so i had them all on cassette um and there, a lot of them are expensive because, you know, uh, they, they were being bought on CD and cassette and not LP. Uh, so, uh, and, you know, sometimes I'll give the hair metal station on Sirius, uh, you know, uh, a couple of hours while I'm working. I, I you know, I, I grew up listening to KNAC. We had, you know, an all hard rock station in Los Angeles. And so, um, you know, I, I, kn I know that music so well. Uh, so I, I sometimes will sort of... Uh, I like to, I'll try and find like a, a tributary off of that road. Like, um, you know, I just bought a book on the new wave of British heavy metal bands. Uh, okay. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff in there. The Tigers of Pantang. Well, that's a band I don't, you know, I don't know that well. Or, you know, uh, I'm drawing a blank on, on some of the others that that, that are, are mentioned there. But, um, you know, there's still a lot of metal stuff that, that from that era that I, I don't know as well. But you know, I have listened to every Motley Crue record so many times. There's not so much joy in still hearing it, you know. 
but sure. I mean, do I have interest in going to see them? No. Uh, do I take satisfaction in reading about the feud between Nikki Six and Mick Mars? Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah. All right. I, I, I'm not embarrassed to say that, you know, I grew up on metal and the the bad, the embarrassing kind of metal, you know, what are you going to no, do? Absolutely not. I mean, that's, I, those, to me, it's, it's party, you know, you hear music and it brings you to that, that time that, you know, that time in your life when you first heard it and that was, you grew up on yeah. it. It's, not that it's, it's a part of your, you know, yeah. your childhood or whatever. Um, I think it's funny that, you know, my, my best friend, Nick, so he's still, listens to everything. I mean, it's all that stuff still now. And he's, it's funny. He's actually opened up for like all those guys, like Sebastian Bach, Ricky rocket. Cool. Um, there's a club here, uh, Mokays that has like rock shows. And so he got to be on the show. His band got to open for all those guys. So it was like meeting, you know, guys he grew up on, um, yeah. open for them, which, which is awesome. Did you ever get to open for any, um, any hero of yours, so to speak? Um, mm, not on that kind of level. I mean, you know, unfortunately we weren't, you know, uh, being paired up with, you know, sort of glam metal bands, but, you know, at the time when we were coming up, you know, uh, uh, playing with no effects or, you know, Lagwagon, you know, strung out was the first band that took us. These were all bands that, you know, uh, I was big fans of. We did a tour, a tour with all, and, you know, I love the descendants. I love all. Um, there were certainly, uh, uh, musicians who I respected, who, uh, who we played with. Um, you know, we did a show with biohazard. That was not a band I was super into, you know, we played with the sugar Hill gang once. See, that was a weird bill. Um, uh, at a certain point, you know, I, I don't know. There's a, uh, it's a double-edged sword. You know, you could meet your hero. I mean, I've met some of the guys in Motley Crue. We didn't play with them. Uh, but uh, I have crossed paths with Tommy Lee a, a few times. Awesome. Um, he does not disappoint uh, in person. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, nothing that I can really think of. And at a certain point, I guess, you know, in a way you've sort of, you just become, uh, you're not immune to it, but yeah, unfortunately our paths just don't cross with the, those kind of bands too much. I wish they did. It would be great to play with, you know, Rat or, you know, <laughs> Uh, whoever, it'd be cool. Yeah, I mean, these they're still playing some of these bands, so you never know. Maybe you know. I know these little boy gets to play with. They them have their own circuit, up. though. It's like you know the the hair metal bands, like you know they exist in a similar bubble to like the you know punk rock bands. Yeah. They got their own festivals and cruises, and you know they do these big packages, and uh, you know their fans are maybe a little older than the you know pop punk fans from the nineties, but same kind of vibe. I, I get it. You know, yeah, it's cool to jam. And, you know, I remember going to like in the 90s, like, you know, these bands started like coming around again. Like it was like Def Leppard, the Scorpions, they would play. We have a amphitheater here down by Jones Beach and it was like twenty five dollars a ticket. And it was to me, it was the best show they had all summer. These these bands. Yeah. And I saw both of those bands. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw Motley Crue at the beach. I saw ACDC down at Jones Beach. Like, you know, seeing all these bands that, that came through was, was absolutely awesome. Um, and like I said, like, it's it's, it's a different different than the pop punk scene. But um, never know, maybe Diesel Boys. I, there was a, there know. must be some overlap because, you know, when I, uh, Sebastian Bach posted my cameo on his Instagram and I sort of 
scrolled through the first few comments and a few people were like Dave from Diesel Boy. Like there were at least a few uh, Skid Row fans who seemed to know Diesel Boy. So that, it might be in the small circle in the Venn diagram overlap of Skid Row. And uh, uh, and I know Jake from Strung Out uh, commented on it too. You know, he's a metal and a punk guy. So, yeah. you know, there there is some overlap. Uh, I definitely think great there is. Do. There's definitely um, an overlap. The Skid Row, like, uh, you know, their second record was a little heavier. So I think maybe more so in Skid Row than you'd get with like Dokken or Poison yeah. or something. But um, this guy, yeah. I'm certainly not alone in being a guy who grew up on on metal and got into punk. No, not not at all. I think a lot. I if you were a kid in the you know if you were in the 80s and listening to music, you listened probably to metal and hair metal, and then in the 90s, yeah, that's how I you know it kind of like morphed into that for me. Like I was into like those hair bands in the and I was a kid. I'm gonna be 44, so we're a few years. We're not too far apart. Um, and then like when I got into high school my cousin had was into no effects and I heard that and I was like, it was like nothing else I heard before. And I was like, I, I want to hear more of this. So I was in my computer class and I had this, this, uh, the no effects CD out and a friend of mine, this kid that I became friends with was like, you like no effects. I'm like, yeah, he goes, and he started rattling off bands and I didn't know them. He's like, well, how do you like no effects? You like those bands. I'm like, I don't know. I just like this band. And he like made me a tape and, made me buy all the compilations. That's how I found out about you guys buying the, the fat records compilations. And um, it was off to the races, so to speak. I, I feel like there are very few moments like that with music in your life where you hear something that you've never heard before. Like yeah. I can't remember the last time that happened for me, but I, that ha that's how I felt when I heard shout at the devil and Metallica master of puppets. I was like, Oh my God, this is, so I, I heard Motley Crue and I was like, Oh, this is cool and scary. Like somebody had the album at school and I was like, I don't know if these are men or women, but they look scary. And I like that, yeah. you know, like something that was like, you know, something about it drew me in like the, the theatricality of it. And then Metallica was just so heavy. I'd never heard anything like that. And then when I heard for me, it was bad religion, not no effects, but I'd never heard tempos that fast yeah. and that much melody. And I was like, wow, what is that? Like um, I had that twice. And I there haven't been too many moments beyond that where i was no. just where i heard something a genre you know I, after a while you know i mean i've been an avid music listener for so long but those are you know those are pivotal important moments for sure yeah. and, and you just don't get that a lot in your life where it sort of change you know you do a sort of 180 on what you're interested in because you get exposed to this thing you didn't know was out there yeah I mean, I heard what that, a gift. it was the beastie boys when i was like seven that was yeah like, and i didn't even know what they were singing about but totally it, it just sounded amazing and I wanted to know everything about and it. different and different. Yeah. Like, you know, there's some songs they said at that time they were still playing guitars and, you know, and doing the rap thing. And then again, like it, when I was like four, 14 years old hearing no effects and green day, then green day, green day. I heard, um, on the radio, they had just come out with dookie and, um, to hear a song about a guy sitting in his house, jerking off and getting bored. I mean, I don't think anything spoke to like a 14 year old or a 13 year old, like, sure. more, you know, than that. And, you know, and I didn't know, like, you know, then har hardcore punks would call me a sellout for liking Green Day and the Mighty Mighty Boston's and all those other bands as time went on. So would hardcore, uh, hardcore metal fans would call you a sellout for liking Motley Crue or whatever. So, yeah, I never, some things never change. Yeah, I never care. I'm like, I like what I like. It sounds good in my ears. Gatekeepers. And Fuck yeah. the gatekeepers. Like, what does that get you? Like, okay, so you discovered a band before anybody else. Awesome. 
like the guy who liked yeah. Nirvana's first album and nothing else after that. That 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 guy, you know, is like, yeah, I haven't listened right. to anything they've done. He's a lot of fun at parties. <laughs> yeah, he's a blast. I look for him to, you know, find out what's going on in his world and like what he thinks about things. So the new album's coming out. Where can everybody find it and get it? Please let everybody know. Yeah, it's out uh, July 28th. It's on Zbam Records, S-B-A-M, Zbam. Uh, they're based in Europe, but uh, but distributed uh, all over the world. Distributed in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, yeah, you can go to, I think it's Zbam.rocks. If you go to our website, diesel-boy.com, there's links there to pre-order the record. There's uh, It's being pressed on CD and LP. There's five different color variants. Okay. Uh, buy all five or just buy the one that you like. Um, and, uh, the first two singles are streaming on all the streaming services. Now I've heard them. Uh, there'll be, a, yeah, yeah, there'll be, thank you. There'll be another song uh, on Friday, uh, a oh. third single. And then, uh, then you got to wait a month to hear the, the full album. But, uh, but response has been really good. People seem to like the singles, which m- makes me happy. Uh, and yeah, pre-orders are up. Uh, so you, if you're, if you want to own the record and I hope you do, cause, uh, you know, there's no money to be made in the music industry anymore. Go, go buy the, the LP will be beautiful looking. The colors, the variants are all, all really beautiful. Or if CDs your thing, you can get those too. Okay. Uh, or on our social media, if you find us on Instagram or Facebook, you can uh, find links to, to the pre-order of, of the record. And yeah, we'll be in Europe uh, August, I think like August 4th through 12th or something. And all the dates are on our website. And then Portland, uh, July 7th and Seattle, July 8th. Uh, and that's all we've got booked at the moment, but we're in the process of booking some more stuff. So right. sooner, but maybe not sooner, at some point we will, you know, sort of slink our way across the country and come hit the hit some markets, hopefully, uh, and just do, you know, sort of Friday, Saturday, Sunday and back to Seattle. Well, if you get in driving distance of New York, we're, we're definitely there. We're definitely going to come. Yeah, man. Show out. My you brother can even sing Bossa Nova with us again. Part two, and I, I won't say Belmore rules this time. It'll be uh, <laughs> better. My brother actually just wrote, he goes, I hate getting alerts that Diesel Boy is in my area from Ticketmaster, but it's that DJ and not them. So there's a DJ, yeah. DJ I guess that's... Uh, yeah, we are very aware. So back when we were just getting signed, you know, our, our lawyer di- goes through the due diligence or whatever to copyright the name or do whatever. We were alerted of his existence then, and whatever that was, 1996. Uh, he had owned it longer. He's from Pennsylvania, I think, or was then. So he could have claimed ownership to it in Pennsylvania. Okay. <clears throat> um, we could have claimed ownership of it everywhere else. Essentially, we were both, you know, young artists, and neither of us had the money to try and buy the other one out or sue the other one or pursue any kind. You know, we were like, well, He's a drum and bass DJ. Is it going to be a problem? Maybe. And it is sometimes, you know, there's the wrong diesel boy. His is one word. Ours is two words. He's still at it, which is great for him. uh, Bad for him and us that now we're back at it too. He probably thought he got rid of us and now we're back. I occasionally will get a DM that's like, oh, I went to, you know, I tried to go see you guys five years ago and, you know, or someone will show up at our show expecting a rave and, you know, it's just a, a punk show. Uh, I think it would be great. Uh, you know, what can you do? I mean, uh, I think most people, most people like your brother are savvy enough to get that. It's not the right diesel boy. Yeah. Uh, and I think it would be great if we could somehow figure out a way to do like a diesel boy versus diesel boy 
record, you know, like, or hey, have him remix something yeah. or, you know, I, there's probably very little overlap between both of those <laughs> acts, but, you know, I give him kudos, man. He's still at it and he's been at it for a long time and he's got a lot of fans and, you know, good for him. So uh, unfortunately, I, how we both picked the same name in the same year or right around then, I have no idea, but, you know, it sucks, but, you know. Well, I mean, it, it, I guess it was there's fake. another Diesel Dave too. There's like some guy on a really? on some kind of uh, yeah some reality show. Uh, if you put it, if you Google it, the like guy with a you know sort of like uh, trucker biker looking dude from some reality show was Diesel Dave. I don't I don't know. I, I wasn't aware of him, but uh, oh, fake Diesel doing Dave. Some va- doing some vanity googling uh, every once in a while. I, I like oh, there's another Diesel Dave. Look at that. Yeah, he's fake Diesel Dave. Look at this one to call. Yeah. Him. Well, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. Who cares? Yeah, Dave. Well, Don't I want to thank anyway. you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, it's um, a pleasure. Hour flew by. Um, everybody, follow Dave on Instagram, Yuppie Punk, and follow Diesel Boy on uh, Instagram. It's underscore Diesel Boy, correct? All right. See, I did my I research. The, the, D, the DJ probably has the no underscore. DJ's probably got yeah. God no damn it. <laughs> If you're punk rock underscore, um, that's what you got to look for. And uh, check out the new social album media for, for 20 years. You, ha- you know, yeah, it's hard to get hard to get going. So like we're, said, we're working on it. You come to anywhere in this New York area. We're going to be there and we'll do Boston over part two. Looking forward to it. I'm going to have to like come on the stage, though, like the old fashioned way. Like I'm not jumping on a stage anymore. I, my knees and my back will not allow that. So it'll be the. Uh, Give me a heads up. We'll make sure you're you have access, and you know, uh, you know. I'll do it. I got to do it the old man way. Yeah, well, uh, just like us. Yeah. Well, Dave, thanks again so much. Uh, it was really pleasure talking to you, and hopefully, we'll have you on again soon. Likewise. Sounds All good. Right. Thanks, Anthony. No problem. Take care. All right, everybody. That was episode two eighty three of the Keep Moving Forward podcast with me, your host, Anthony DiDomenico. Want to thank Dave Lake from the band Diesel Boy. Check out the new album. It's coming out July 28th. New single will drop Friday, so check that out. I'm going to post it in my stories over at Comic Anthony D, so look for that as well. We are played in and out each week by Hollow and their single Something to Believe. My best friend Nick wrote this song. Check it out on iTunes while you're there. His new band, uh, I was going to say Diesel Boy. (laughs) His new band, Demon Scar, is dropping new music like crazy. Got a live album that they recorded at the Whiskey. Check it out on iTunes, demonscar.bandcamp.com. Every time I go to say Demon Scar, I'm thinking of Diesel Boy. Uh, Sorry, Nick. I do apologize about that. Only one place to go for your deli needs this summer. That's Finn's Deli, 4646 Merrick Road in Massapequa. Tell my brother you heard the plug on the show and then get yourself an Uncle Cheese, the best sandwich out there. Not because it's named after me. It really is that good. Check it out. Finsdeli.com. You can find all the episodes at anchor.fm slash KMF podcast. Also on iTunes. And while you're there, five-star rate and review. If you like the video version of the podcast, check it out on Spotify. I want to thank everybody who tuned in tonight live on Facebook. Everybody listening at home on your podcast, listening devices. This has been episode 283. Have an awesome week. I'll talk to you later.